0: Is the blue, a God from Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcast, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 23 23- It is so good to see you all this morning. I hope that you have had a great weekend, and I am glad that you have decided to make this a part of that weekend uh, or or beginning of the week, however you would like to to roll these days in together. But I ask you, if you will, to open your Bibles back up to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we will get there here in just a few moments. We are continuing our thoughts on Raised to Life, a study of baptism, and this is one of my favorite studies that uh, I preach usually uh, when I uh, start a new a new ministry. This is a a sermon series. They've they've all been a little bit different, but the core of them have been the same. But this is a sermon series that I want to preach always in, in the first year of of my ministry somewhere because I want to make sure that as as a group as 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 uh, new family members that there are certain subjects that I want us to maybe lay the foundation for, maybe make sure that we're all on the same page moving forward. And then from there, after we've laid the foundation together, uh, we can then grow and talk about different things. And this is a subject that is of the utmost importance. And we started this a couple of weeks ago, we talked about really the importance of baptism, of how baptism is, is that moment that you come into contact with the blood and the mercy and the grace of Jesus, that uh, it, is, it is that avenue in which we have hope, it is that avenue in which we come into a relationship with Jesus that sets us apart. We're going to talk about that a little more here in a moment, that sets us apart from the rest of the world. Then last week, we talked about the idea of maybe where uh, we need to be mindful. Where we maybe have been forgetful on some things. And we, we discussed the idea of how we have used scripture in this particular subject to argue against each other, where some people may believe in the idea of faith only saves from, from the aspect of, of just confessing God, and yet we believe that it that is an action. You know, involved in it, the action of baptism, and we, we argue with people, Bible verse versus Bible verse. And we, we came to the conclusion that you can't argue Scripture against itself, that baptism in and of itself is a faith issue. It is a way that you show your faith in God. It is, it is all about our faith. And it's just all uh, part of the same idea. And today, today we're going to talk about the idea of baptism where we have been silent. Of course, the titles of these lessons are really more than anything they're just kind of made to, to, to get your attention, okay, to get you keyed in and, and to get you thinking, well, well where, where maybe have we been silent on the idea of baptism? And it comes from the passage that we read just a few moments ago that Gary read for us, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 36 through 38. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, uh, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. This is actually 37 through 39. So as we look at this particular verse this morning, I want to ask you a question. What does this verse teach us That baptism offers us. Our baptism will do what? It will give us, who said forgiveness of sins? Somebody over here, I think. Okay? It will give us forgiveness of sins. And many times, I-, I believe that that's true. Okay, I completely agree with that from this passage. But many times, we stop right there, don't we? We say, Peter replied to repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. But does that verse stop right there? What does the rest of that verse say? And you will receive the gift of the what? Of the Holy Spirit. And and I love maybe verse 39 is just as important as any. This promise is for you, talking about the people there that day, and for your children, and for all those who are far off and all whom the Lord our God will call. We fall right into that category of all who are far off from this particular moment of time that Acts verse chapter 2 is dealing with. So what this tells us is baptism not only gives us forgiveness for our sins, but then there's an and, and there's a part of Scripture that we have on this topic that we've been silent about for many, many generations, and it is the idea that along with baptism, we receive the Spirit of God. Now, I ask myself, why are we silent on this particular issue? Why, why do we not teach this particular part of Scripture as fervently as we do the idea of, of the forgiveness part? Because I believe both of them are equally as important. And, I, and I'll show you that as we move through this passage, these passages together. But the first reason I think that, um, that we don't teach it is just because maybe we're lazy. All right maybe it's it's because we just don't take the time to open up our Bibles and really read what the Bible has to say on any given subject. What we rely on is the preacher to do it or the teachers to do it. And if you grew up in a church where the the preacher stopped and and you will repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, if, if that's all you ever heard from that passage, it would be easy for you to not realize the importance of the Holy Spirit in the entire subject, in the entire topic of baptism. It may just be that we're lazy and we don't open our Bibles through the week and we don't study. And not that, maybe you do, okay, let's let's go a step further. Maybe you do open your Bible and you study, but then you get to tough, difficult passages and it's easy to go, oh, I'm going to skip over that and I'm going to get to something that's a little bit easier to understand, True Bible study is not always going to be easy, okay? Learning the Word of God is not going to always be easy, but it is beneficial. It is rewarding. Paul says that we need to study so that when someone asks us about the things that we believe that we're going to be able to share those things and teach those things, but study is so important across the board to so many aspects of our faith, especially this particular subject in which we're talking about today. I also believe that it is an overreaction. A lack of teaching is an overreaction to a over-the-top teaching, maybe from other um, other groups. You, you've got uh, you've got charismatic groups that teach a, a, a doctrine of, of laying on of hands still, of speaking in tongues, and different things that as we look through Scripture we see was something that, yes, was prevalent and was, was there in the first century, with the, but that was not something that continued in the church, but yet they still teach those things, they still, in some way they still practice those things, and they talk about how it's all because of the Holy Spirit, and because that makes us uncomfortable, and because we've not spent our time studying like we should and we can't answer the questions like we should be able to, we've overreacted to their teaching to where we come over here and we just don't talk about it. We don't want to talk about it because we don't want to dare be associated with any group that's teaching falsely on the Holy Spirit. So instead of running the risk of being associated with it, we're just not going to talk about it at all. And when we take a part of Scripture and we just don't teach it, That is wrong. That is wrong. And and so we have to be careful that that we don't overreact to what someone else is teaching and it lead us to a place where we don't teach anything on it at all. And then I think the next thing is a lot of us feel like there's just not a whole lot to study about the Holy Spirit. I believe there are people that really feel that way. Let Let me maybe put it to you this way. I personally, it's just me personally, okay? And I believe you can you can figure this out throughout scripture, but this is the conclusion I've come to that the main character in the Bible is God okay the main character is God, but God is three parts and within the Old Testament, God the Father is the prominent figure in which we read about and we study about. And there's a lot about God the Father in the Old Testament. And and because there's a lot there, we feel like we can understand and grasp who God the Father is. Then you get into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and God the Son is the prominent figure within that particular part of the biblical story. And we feel like we can understand him and grasp him and and really these first two thoughts of God the Father God the Son we feel like in our own human way that maybe we can fit them in a box that we understand and that's a dangerous thing to do because we can never truly fit God in a box because why because he's God and we'll never fully understand him but because of how many of you did y'all used to have a flannel board room here yes Okay, the the God stories on the flannel board. That's something I remember from Jackson Hotz, and and I always loved the flannel board room. Because of those stories, because we've broken down these Old Testament stories and these gospel stories into such easy things to understand, we teach them at vacation. Bible school, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we're just so used to them, we feel like we can understand them and the God part of them very easily. Then Jesus comes along, and Jesus says something very interesting. He says, It was going to be better for you if I leave and send the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would give anything to just walk with Jesus hand in hand, side by side, for one day? I think we all would. I think we would all love to just spend the day with Jesus. But Jesus looks at his apostles and he tells us, He says, Look, guys, I want you to know something. You are better off for me to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come and indwell in you. And I think there's a part of us that really have a hard time understanding that because we deal in physical, right? We deal in physical ideas, physical nature. Quality time is when you spend time with someone. You know as well as I do, quality time... Face-to-face is so much better than quality time over the telephone. You, you may have family members that live far away, and, and you enjoy talking to them. You enjoy, you know, we have technology now that we can FaceTime and different things like that, and that's all great. But does it take the place of personal face-to-face time? No, not at all. And and, and so we think this idea of being face-to-face with Jesus would be wonderful, but Jesus says, it's better for me to send the Holy Spirit than it is for me to stay here with you. And so we, we don't understand why that would be the case because we think there's not a lot there to explain it because really when you get to the book of acts and you run from the book of acts through the rest of the new testament maybe with the absence of 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 Hebrew, of of revelation to some degree the epistles, the book of Acts, that's the Holy Spirit's time. The Holy Spirit is the one moving. He's the one inspiring these writers. He's the one that's that's giving these people the ability to do these miraculous gifts so that they can can teach the Word of God. Okay, So He's the one that is alive and active now. Through the whole story, it's God. God is there through all of it. The Holy Spirit was there at the very beginning at creation. God the Father was there at creation. God the Son was there at creation. You read the creation account, they're all there. They're all present. They're all Doing something. But we think we get to a certain point in scripture and we start talking about the Holy Spirit. We think there's not enough there for me to study and to understand. Well, I'm going to roll through some stuff with you real quick. Matthew 3, verse 16 through 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, enlight- and, and, and enlightening on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. We're going to run through some verses real quick today. They're on the screen. The verses are up there. Jot them down so that you can catch up with them later if you want to. John three verses one through five. This is the story of who Jesus and who who is Jesus talking to here. Nicodemus he says now there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said Rabbi we all know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceiving, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, let's stop right there for a second. I want you to know this verse describes us, right? This verse describes us prior to our salvation. This verse describes us prior to becoming children of God, prior to our baptism. We all live lives of foolishness and disobedience and deceiving and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That is describing a life of sinfulness, a life that many of us probably lived prior to our salvation, but he says when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the what? Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Now listen, if you want to know where can I go to start really studying about the Holy Spirit... Open your Bible to the Book of Romans, in particular Chapter Eight. If you begin studying Chapter Eight and trying to digest and figure out what Paul says in Romans Chapter Eight about the Holy Spirit, then you are going to be well on your way to having a greater understanding of who and what the Holy Spirit is and what He does. There is a there is a struggle within our fellowship at times that some people believe that we're only able to uh, to uh, interact with the Holy Spirit through our interaction of the Word of God, that He dwells within the Word, but He does not dwell within us. Romans chapter 8, I believe, truly does teach a, a teaching of personal indwelling of the Holy Spirit, as well as some of the other verses that we've read, but this verse in particular. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. We live as Christians, okay? We live and interact on a spiritual level with God. That may be hard for us to understand. Why? Because we think and feel and function normally in a physical world where what we see and touch is real, but he tells us because we are Christians, we also interact with the spiritual side. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, okay? Read all that together. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. I want you to remember that last phrase, and we're going to come back to it at the very end. I I go through all those verses very quickly to show you something. The New Testament teaches a lot, says a lot, includes a lot of different times the Holy Spirit. Now, do we have stories of the Holy Spirit's birth? No. Do we have stories of, of the Holy Spirit knocking down cities like God does at Jericho? No. There's a lot of different big stories that we have of God and Jesus that we don't have of the Holy Spirit, but that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is not prominently present within the pages of our Bible. And yes, it may take some time and it may take some study, but it is something that we can sit down and begin to understand and begin to work into our life as Christians and become more knowledgeable of that subject and also figure out how to become more in tune with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to live and direct our lives. Now, as we think about these things, I want you to think about this two things that baptism accomplishes okay two things that baptism accomplishes and this goes back to our acts chapter 2 verse 38 passage the first thing is it accomplishes is cleansing Okay, Titus tells us all these awful things that we were. Okay, you 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 had all these struggles, you had well, let's just go back to it and look. You 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 were foolish, okay. Some of you may still be foolish, I don't know. You were foolish, you were disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Okay, this is a one side of the coin. You were not good people. You were not living in a positive direction. You were doing things the way you wanted to do them with whatever pleasure you had, and and you you just lived your own life. And he says that was a bad thing. But God what? What's the next? God saved us. He cleansed us. He washed us. One of the things that the power of baptism is about is about cleansing us and washing these sins away so that we no longer, like we talked about last week, we're no longer defined by that sinfulness in our life. Rather, we're defined by by our salvation, and we are now Christians, and that is what we claim, and that is how we live. But then the second thing that it gives us is it gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the question then becomes, I understand cleansing, most of us understands the cleansing side of it, but because of our lack of study, we struggle with the empowerment side of it. So, So let's talk about some things very quickly now, again, These are going to be a lot of verses coming very quick. I encourage you to write them down. They're all going to be on the bottom of the screen. And then then go home and study them yourself. Also, if you want to rewatch us later, as Neil puts this online. So the first thing he empowers me to do is to live a life of sanctification. To live a life of sanctification. Now, well, let's read a verse, and then we're we'll going to talk about sanctification. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the providence—that's the first verse, first part of First Peter one. And he says, "Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit." Well, what's the what's one of the works of the Holy Spirit? His job is to sanctify us. Okay, to be obedient to Jesus and sprinkle and sprinkled with His blood. Grace and peace be yours in in abundance. That's 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. Now, sanctification is one of those what I call church words. A church word is a word that we use in church all the time. We've used it the majority of our life. We've heard it the majority of our life. And then when we're asked what it means, you know what we go and do? We go, I don't know. I've used it. We've talked about it, but I'm not really sure what it means. Sanctification has some different meanings to it, I want you to know what it means so we're not just doing the same thing we've always done. Uh, At its very simplest definition, it means set apart. Okay, It means set apart. I'm going to sanctify Gary because I need someone to do a specific job that maybe only Gary can do. So I'm going to set him apart from everybody else so that he can do that job. Okay, That's what that Greek word that we get sanctification from literally means, to just set them apart for a certain cause and a certain purpose. In our life as Christians, it means set apart from the world so that we can live out the great commission and the great command of jesus now it also means making us legitimate uh, as in the idea paul talks about it in the idea of us being adopted into the family we are now adopted children of god but when you are an adopted child are you a legitimate child of that family yes you're not a pretend child you're not a foster child anymore you are a legitimate child in that family but also it's the idea of purified I have been purified of the things. There, you you were like, we go back to that Titus passage. We see one side of it, and then Christ saved us, and we become something else. So the Holy Spirit, it says here that one of his jobs is a sanctifying work, okay? It is his job to set us apart, to make us legitimate, and to purify us. Now, let's keep going. He also empowers me by strengthening me. Okay, he gives me strength. First Peter 3 and verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. There are going to be times in our life where we struggle with things. There are going to be times in our life where we have issues that we feel like we cannot overcome on our own, and that honestly we won't overcome on our own. Have you ever had a moment in your life as a child of God where... Where And really, let me tie these two together, because two and three really tie together. He also empowers me to overcome. So in Romans 8, verse 13, he says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so... So there's two ideas here he strengthens me to overcome. One is from sinfulness, okay? One is from sinfulness that that I by myself am not able to overcome the challenges and the temptations that Satan puts in front of me, but... Because I have the spirit that dwells within me, I am able, I'm strengthened by God and I'm able to overcome those things that I once in my life had no ability on my own to overcome, okay? But there's also the other side of just general life struggles. And this is the one that really gives me a lot of hope with my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Have there ever been times in your life where you're in the beginning, you're looking at a storm that's in front of you, a challenging time. You know that it's coming, or maybe it just hits you like a ton of bricks and you're just knocked off your feet. And then you get a couple of months down the road and you turn around and the storm is behind you, the challenge is behind you. And you stand there and you go and you wonder, How did I ever get through that? Have you ever ever had that type of moment in your life? My answer to you as a child of God is you got through it because of the strength that the Holy Spirit gives you to overcome challenges and things in your life that you normally would not have the ability to overcome. Let's keep going. He empowers me to pray. He empowers me to pray. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Now, that that alone is such a powerful verse, isn't it? Such a powerful statement that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we are, ought to pray are for, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. That's one of my favorite verses about the Holy Spirit, because it tells me that in many ways, God knows me better than I know myself. God knows me better than I know myself because there are times where I just don't have the words to express how I feel. Maybe I'm going through one of those challenging moments and, and I just, I'm, just, I'm just overcome with emotion and, and I don't have words I don't have cohesive thoughts it's just a jumbled it's just a jumbled emotional mess in my head and what it, what this verse tells me that when I'm in moments of weakness God knows me better than I know myself, and his spirit that is living within me, he puts those words, he puts those emotions into words so that God knows how I feel and what I'm asking for and what I'm praying for. You know, there's no other religion in the world that offers this type of intimacy between you and the God that you would choose to serve. But when you choose to serve the God, And you choose to put him on in baptism, and his spirit indwells within you, you have this personal, intimate connection that he knows you better than you know yourself. He also gives me the power to produce, the power to produce. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Now, I want you to look at that list. Love, joy, another word that would go there would be peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you have every aspect of those fruits down pat in your life? Anybody? You got them all down? But he tells us that as children of God, this is going to be how we live. As children of God, we are going to have these things in our life. Not some of them, not most of them, but this is the fruit that is going to be produced by you in your life. And I would dare to say that some of you would look at these things and some of these some of these personalities, if you will, we use that word for a moment, come natural to you. We know that there are some people that are just naturally joyful, right? They're just naturally joyful people. That's just how they live. They're just naturally kind people, or they're just naturally gentle people. That's just the life that they live. It comes easy to them. We all have parts of our personality that just come easy, but then there are going to be parts of us that we struggle with. Holy Spirit comes into our life, those parts that we struggle with, those parts that we have difficulty showing, and He's going to help push those things to the surface. He's going to help push things out of the way and push those things to the forefront so that maybe you're not a joyful person by nature, but through the Holy Spirit, you can learn to live a life of joy. Maybe you're not a peaceful person by nature, but through the Holy Spirit, he will help you live a life of peace. These are not optional things. These are the things that scripture tells me we will be through the Holy Spirit. You following me? Everybody, we on the same page so far? All right, here's the last thing. He guarantees. He guarantees. Now of all, of all the parts of the teaching of the Holy Spirit this is the part that I think may be the most important for us to walk away here from understanding today. I'm not saying it's not all important but today this is what I want you to make sure you get. Okay I'm going to Scroll back through my slides here. I should have put this slide back. Okay. Romans chapter 8. So we're going to come back to this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 not only teaches the indwelling, but at the very end, the very last sentence. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not what? They do not what? Say it loud belong to Christ. There we go. See, we can talk past the mask. They do not belong to Christ. Now, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? How do we receive our indwelling? He who believes and is baptized will be saved, right? If you are baptized, you will have your sins forgiven, Acts 2, 38, and what's our silent part? And you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. So at our baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit. That's when God's Spirit comes and indwells within us. Before that, we do not what? Belong to God. Because why? We do not have His Spirit within us. Let's, let's fast forward back. Uh, same idea that Paul teaches in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, okay? The promised Holy Spirit. So when you believed, okay, Jesus says belief leads to what? Baptism, which leads to salvation. So when you believed, you would have been baptized I'm getting worked up here, okay? When you believed, you were marked with the seal. Okay, why would you have a seal? So that it's about ownership. You know now that you belong to God, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, listen to this next part, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, okay? What is our inheritance? salvation and eternity with God. This is something about the Holy Spirit that I want you to know and I want you to understand. (sighs) Baptism is that moment that you are saved. But just as importantly, it is that moment that you receive the Holy Spirit of God. And if you are not baptized and you do not have the Holy Spirit within you, baptism is where we get it. You do not have a guarantee of salvation. You do not belong to God. The Holy Spirit guarantees that ownership. And that is a part of this teaching where we've been silent, that that we This is where it's relevant. When you have people that teach, all I have to do is confess to God that I believe that He is the Son of God and ask Him to come into my life and He's going to forgive me and I'm going to be saved and I'm going to go to heaven. But there's a problem in that doctrine. And the problem in that doctrine is this, it is absent of the Holy Spirit. Because only through the waters of baptism do you receive the Holy Spirit. And the only way that you are guaranteed salvation and inheritance and entrance into the family and being part of God is through the Holy Spirit. Scripture makes that so plain and so evident. But yet, in the churches of Christ, we have never really truly been serious about teaching that part of Scripture. We've been silent, and I don't want us to be silent anymore because I don't want anybody to have false hope in their salvation. I want everybody to have a guarantee a guarantee. What, what does a guarantee mean? That beyond the shadow of a doubt you can count on it. We don't have to live a life of once saved always in doubt. We've taught that, right? No. As long as we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Now Paul talks about at the end of First Thessalonians that if we're not careful we can put out the Spirit's fire. We can get to a point to where having Him in our life does us absolutely no good because we've quit listening to Him and we've turned away and we're living our own life again. But no. As long as we're walking in the light and he is working within us and living within us and when he convicts us we change and, and we listen to him as long as we do that we can be guaranteed, we can be hopeful, we can be assured that our salvation is intact and when this life is over, eternity with Christ and God and the Holy Spirit awaits us. We can be sure of that. But none of that is possible without The Holy Spirit. And that's what I want you to understand today. That's what I want you to have faith in and hope in and understanding of. I don't want us to be a church that is silent on the Holy Spirit. I don't want us to be lazy. I don't want us to not teach because of what someone else is teaching. I want us to be students of the Word so that we can understand the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so and so we can have that true assurance of our salvation. This is the part that in the class I go any questions, comments, or smart remarks, but I will say it this way. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, any thoughts, reach out to me later this week. Like I said, when it comes to subjects we've been silent on, that means that there's usually a lot of misunderstanding. And a lot of unknown. And sometimes when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe it makes you nervous because you've not heard a whole lot about it, and you've kind of got an idea about it, but you're not really sure. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me this week. Please let me know, and I'll be more than happy to talk with you and study with you and, and come to a better understanding of of some things in your life. Now, now you've heard it. What are you going to do with it? That, that, that's the ultimate question. Stand here and preach it all day long, but if you don't do anything with it, it does you absolutely no good whatsoever. So my question to you this morning is: What do you need? What do you need? Do you need salvation? Do you need that indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Maybe you say, "Hey, look, you know, there was a time in my life where I thought that I was saved, and and I've been living a life in a certain way. I've been trying to live to God, but I've been studying, I've been listening, and I see that some things are maybe different. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. Let's just let's just get it right. Let's just." Let's just add to what you already know. Keep living your life the way you're doing it, but let's make the decisions that need to be made to to be right with God, okay, whatever that might be. Maybe you're, you're looking at this and you're going, hey, I've never really given the Holy Spirit a chance. I've never really given the Holy Spirit a chance. So apparently I got him when I was baptized, but I've never really listened to him. I've never really studied about him. Hey, make that change today. Okay, reignite that fire. Don't live like Paul says in a life where you've put that fire out. Okay, let's live in a way that brings us closer to God instead of pushing him farther away. Let's close our our lesson with a word of prayer, and then we'll have our song of invitation. God, I thank you so much for today and for this subject and this topic, God. I thank you for this powerful teaching that you give us on the Holy Spirit. And so often, God, we just we have we have been silent on this and we don't talk about it the way we should, God, because we're afraid we don't understand it. But let's get rid of the excuses, God, and let's just be sold out disciples of yours willing to embrace your teaching and your word. And living it to the fullness every single day. God, I pray for those who maybe are struggling with their salvation, struggling with what to do with, with whether to make that commitment to you, or or whether maybe they thought they've made it and, and they're not sure about what it looks like then versus now. God, I just, I just pray that you give everybody clarity of mind about what they need to do to make sure they're right with you this morning. And God, I just, I just, I just pray for conviction from this church family that we're able to be a church that is on fire because of your spirit, That, that, that you ignite us and help us to be a light on the hill to where this community knows that this is where truth is taught, this is where salvation is offered, this is where hope can be found, this is where love overflows and is abundant. God, let us be that church. We thank you for Jesus and the hope and the assurance that comes from a relationship with him. We thank you for his sacrifice, his death on the cross, that gives us the opportunity to come into contact with his blood, which gives us purification. It gives us the the grace that you offer, God. Help us every day to be mindful of that, to be grateful of that, and to live a life that says, I believe in that, God. We come to you with the most humble hearts that we can this morning offering them to you. And it's in your son's name we pray.